Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 190. Today is Sunday, the 10th of April, 2016, and this interview is with Megan Neal, Global Head of Engagement Centers for Unilever. Megan, in a very unique situation, is also co-founder of a startup, My Digital Customer, providing a solution to bridge the gap between contact centers and the digital channels. In this interview with Megan, we discuss how Unilever tackles the challenge of creating meaningful relationships with 400 brands and the hundreds of millions of customers, making an organization customer-centric, the prospects for integrating new technologies in the customer care function, and much more. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick, enjoy the show. So today I have piped in from the outside of London, someone who I listened to and with great interest uh, at a conference the other day, speaking about Unilever's global customer care. So Megan Neal, tell us who you are. And what you do, because what you do is rather interesting in and of itself, of course, as well as what is your mindset? Great. Well, thank you for having me. It's my been, pleasure. Uh, really, really uh, wonderful to be invited to share some of my thinking with you today. Um, my name is Megan Neal. I am responsible for global customer care, consumer care within Unilever. We call it consumer engagement. Uh, for us, it's very important that we are building relationships with our consumers, not just serving uh, transactions. Um, I think I'm in one of the most fortunate positions to have uh, an amazing role within an amazing organization that has a global remit and actually have the freedom uh, that Unilever allowed me to also uh, support my own business ventures as well. So I have a great spirit of entrepreneurialism, uh, work part-time with Unilever and also support my own business ventures in dis- digital consumer engagement. And I'd like to share some of that uh, thinking and knowledge with you today. Beautiful. So I, I, I mean, really, I want to just dig in one second about how you've set this up because so you, you have an independent business and you're also running global customer care for Unilever. How on earth did Unilever come to accept that? Um. Yes, it's, uh, I have a long relationship with Unilever. Um, I worked as part of a, a senior management team building up a business in customer care for 20 years. Uh, and we were really fortunate and privileged to have Unilever as one of our key accounts um, for the last 10 years, actually. So supporting UK and Ireland um, uh, consumer care and then rolling that out across all of Europe uh, for the last five years. I decided I wanted to go back into starting up a new venture and was approached by Unilever at uh, the point of me leaving that business to see if they, uh, and they asked me if I was keen to stay working in some capacity with them to help them on their transformation of their um, consumer engagement. Um, And really it was just a meeting of minds. I was keen to uh, start my entrepreneurial um, venture, but also keen to stay involved with Unilever. They're an amazing business, a fantastic business, and I feel very emotionally connected to them. And we were able to arrive at an arrangement that we thought would work for both parties. So I I spend between two to three days a week supporting Unilever, Um, have a great team of people that are um, 
really very, very focused on delivering excellent consumer engagement and very independent and don't need micromanaging, which means I can focus on the strategy. Mm-hmm. And obviously taking that thinking and real-life entre- uh, enterprise business challenges into my uh, own business ventures, is uh, it just works for both parties. Mm. So I'm, I'm thrilled that they've accepted it. And I hope more businesses and more enterprises think of it as a, um, a workable solution moving forward. Yeah, I can just imagine. I did I mean, in the end of the day, if I go to, in my days, you know, I worked at L'Oreal. How do you manage? Did you feel like you're having to disrupt some way their processes in order for this to be accomplished, or was this sort of a natural fit in the way it went through? I mean, we, it's a natural fit. It's been an organic development. I think it was the right time, the right place. Mm. The the business was keen to look at all aspects of innovation, not just innovation within technology and business process, but also innovation within organization design. So it's um, we are, I think, blessed that we are part of the marketing organization, which is a, a creative um, unit, mm-hmm. and therefore these types of discussions come very naturally. All right. So great. So with, with um, so you call it customer engagement. And one of the things that I, you spoke about when I listened to you was you talk about this need for making meaningful relationships. How do you build meaningful relationships with the consumers that, that really has a real value and is meaningful for them? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, certainly. I think it's it's probably worth taking um, one step back before we jump into to how we do it in terms of really what we focus on is, is trying to understand what our consumers want. Um, and what our consumers need from a relationship with our brands. Um, and, of course, every brand is different than over around 400 brands. So it, it's a complex environment that, that we work within. But when I'm working with my teams and I'm, when I'm kind of sharing our story with the business, it's really, really important that there's one quote that, that sticks with me at all times, and that really defines my mindset and the mindset that I like to instill in, in the, uh, the people I'm engaging with. And it's, it's a Maya Angelou quote, actually, and it's, uh, I'll just read it to you. It's, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but mm-hmm. people will ne- never, ever forget how you made them feel. Absolutely. And for me, that just embodies everything that we do within consumer engagement. We absolutely need to focus on the rigor, the compliance, the process, do everything we need to do to to manage uh, the business needs. But if we are not engaging on a human and emotional level, then actually we're not adding any value and people won't want to re-engage with us. And and the value of re-engaging with us as a business is that we have then a privileged insight into someone's life and can use that information to improve the products and services that we provide. Mm. Oh, so, so that's just taking the step back in terms of the why. Mm-hmm. Um, then, really, for me, it's a recognition that we have to we have to engage on values that that are meaningful to people. And and for me, there are four key aspects to that. The, it, it's really important that we we learn enough about our consumers so that we know them, and we only provide relevant engagement with meaningful information that doesn't waste people's time. So mm-hmm. I think you see so much activity in the marketplace nowadays where actually it's just push, 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 yeah. and a lot of the content is is irrelevant. We should be absolutely um, operate with high integrity at all times. Our brand should be authentic. We should earn people's trust and manage people's privacy at all times. There's mm-hmm. a huge amount of effort 
and discussion around what data we should have access to and shouldn't have access to. Which, of course, is a little bit complicated with regard to the first point. Absolutely. You you need to be relevant, you need to know them, but, you know, when do you cross the Khyber Pass too far? Exactly. And when does it just become a little bit too creepy? Um, And that's why, for us, what's very, very important is making sure the consumer is in control and doing things on their terms at all times. At at no point in time should a consumer feel that information is being misused or information is um, being used in a way that's just not going to add anything to their daily lives. So, Megan, you're dealing with 400 brands, Mm -hmm. and that's quite a handful. And I'm, you know, without breaking down into exactly how it's rolled out, the challenge that I see is that you might have a Unilever approach. What is authentic for Unilever? But what is authentic for 400 brands, of course, is going to be distinct for each brand. And, and so therefore, how on earth do you articulate meaningfulness in a way that's credible for each brand and yet is beholden to an, an overall umbrella of Unilever? Yes, of course. Um, and that's something that the, the marketing teams focus on incredibly um, heavily every single day. So for me, it comes back to that first quote. It's about a human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, representing the brand, you know, have very high uh, principles, requirements, um, you know, tone of voice. We, we see our role really within the business as we bring the voice of the brand to the consumer and the voice of the consumer to the brand. So we are at a liaison point, really. And whilst the brand may have a view that this is this is how we want to be seen in the marketplace, the feedback we're getting from consumers on a day-to-day basis um, about how that's being perceived and feeding that back into the business is incredibly valuable because it enhances that. So it, is it possible to have a team of uh, 700 people acting across 400 brands in a consistently intricate uh, matching of the brand voice at every minute of the day? Not. But Mm -hmm. is it possible to build a team of people that embody the vision and the emotion of the brand and communicate that effectively on a one-to-one basis? I absolutely think it is. And that's really about bringing the right skill sets into the business, empowering those people to be brand ambassadors um, and giving them the freedom to explore and, and create that personal connection um, at the right time during that interaction. So can I, I just want to flip back onto the one word, skill set. Mm-hmm. What about mindset? I mean, or do, how do you qualify one versus the other? So mindset is really about um, bringing in people that have the right empathy to the organization. Um, we have a set, a set of global engagement principles, um, which are really focused around um, vision, emotion, and action. Uh, and, and we're on a journey, really. We, we've, uh, I'm sure you, maybe you have your own experiences from when you've engaged with different brands oh, or yeah. contact centers. Um, and typically, I talk to lots of people about this. Sadly, um, people tend to want to do everything they possibly can to avoid engaging with a business via a contact center. And that's because... Typically, the experience is inconsistent. You might have a great experience one day, but the likelihood of you having a great experience consistently over a number of interactions, maybe five or ten, 
is pretty low. And that is because it is very, very difficult to get right consistently. Mm. So we're really focused on consistency. We're really focusing on making sure that every time you engage with us, you absolutely get the right experience in terms of speed of response, in terms of personal human connection, and in terms of accuracy of the information that we provide. So moving from an environment where you almost, as a consumer, you know, the last thing you want to do in the morning is is, is wake up and realise you have to ring a contact centre. It kind of ruins your day. Well, I think you're, 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 you're regretting it. Yeah, I mean, but that is a merited situation. That's not your fault, yours, but that is a merited situation for the way customer care centres have been developed because mm-hmm. I, in the way I see it, you know, my experience is quite long in this, is it's a cost centre. It's a it's a hassle. Let's put it in some place far away where we can pay the cheapest salaries, uh, where the rent for the location is as bottom as it gets, and uh, and then just manage the hell. So you know that it's just about complaints. It's a complaint center and push it away. Yes, and I think as someone that's been in the industry uh, for the amount of time that I have, I feel that it, you know we have a responsibility now to uh, to transform that and challenge that. And actually, the reason that that has uh, that situation has been created has been because of um, cost pressures within yeah. organisations, and also because of the fact that actually the the value on servicing consumers and customers has not been truly understood and not been able to be truly quantified by the organisation. Mm. Um, there are two things that I think are significantly changing that. One is um, uh, the advent of technology is actually making. Uh, meaning now that you can deliver services more cost effectively um, uh, and therefore do not have to rely entirely on um, the cost of people Mm -hmm. um, to deliver that service which is the asset that is being I guess um, uh, has been sweated and the other is that the recognition now at the board level that customer service and consumer service has a significant value um, in top line performance and growth of an organization and the investment in that is um, able to be uh, translated into pure commercial um, data so I, I i mean i'm very right up there with you so uh, one of the things that strikes me you know i ran my own brand uh, and so i have my own experiences the notion of customer care is, is always fascinated me. And, and my experience, I had this uh, really lovely c- connection and relationship with our head of customer care in, in uh, Canada, Laura Canada at the time. And Celine really brought customer care into my executive committee. The thing, the challenge that I saw was that some brands are more truly in their DNA centered on the customer. They need this famous buzzword of customer centricity. So, you know, customer care is the only, or customer engagement, it's the only department that has the word customer in it. And then there's all these companies that are banding about this notion of customer centricity. I mean, it's become a sort of a recurring uh, strategic imperative for every company to say, ah, we're customer centric. To what extent do you think that that's, a, that's true? You need customer centricity in order for good customer care. 
I think it's absolutely essential. I think, um, and again, I think that's one of the beautiful things uh, around working with Unilever is that the, uh, and we, we call it consumer centricity, is uh, at the heart of every single thing that we do within the organization. The So from a strategic point of view, from a board level um, engagement point of view, that there, there is no doubt that that is absolutely fundamental. The, the challenge is how do you translate that into uh, practical initiatives that actually make a difference, mm-hmm. not just to the business, but to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really about the profile that consumer care has or consumer engagement has within the organization, the strength of character that the individuals running those functions has in terms of brand engagement. So there is an internal PR exercise that needs to be done uh, consistently um, uh, in terms of helping the brand and marketing teams fully understand the value that they can get from engaging more closely with the consumer care function. And that's something that we work really, really hard on, that it's not something that is expected, that we have to earn that privilege and demonstrate the value that we can provide those brand teams in order to build a better proposition, a better solution for the consumer. In, an, in a corporate world where CEOs or the you know, MDs or GMs, whatever you call them, of each of the brands uh, will be rotating because that's their career, you end up with different people running the brands. And I was just, you know, I've, I've, I always reflect on the notion whether it's more the brand DNA or the individual leading it who is going to be able to embark on or allow for a more customer-centric, better customer care. I agree. And I think that is the same in, in every um, organization, certainly in, in this, this space. Those types of turnaround times, the 18 months, the two years, uh, are just a fact of life. And it, and it means the business process um, and the systemic approach to making sure that consumer needs are always front and center has to be there. It, it, it has to be. It has to work. So it's a positive in the sense that people moving across the organisation um, therefore share share their their thinking and their um, their passion for the consumer as they move across different functions and different brands, um, and it really forces us to think about how do we make this part of our DNA as opposed to how do we just make this an, um, an interaction with an individual who, who gets it and don't, don't worry about those who don't because mm-hmm. everybody needs to get it. It's absolutely fundamental. Mm. Uh, of course, they need to get it, but get it differently according to the brand because otherwise you end up with the same thing each time. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's where we have such an amazing opportunity because we have a single environment that are all localized. So um, one thing that's really important for us is making sure that the voice of the consumer is local. Um, and to your point, you know, we don't have all of our teams just sat out in, uh, in Manila on the Philippines. Um, they are all sitting in the local markets, all very accessible to those brand teams. And on a monthly and quarterly basis, um, real engagement is happening. So, and that in itself means that it stays very personal and very true to the brand. And that's something we feel very strongly about. So a little bit before, Megan, you mentioned technology. And Mm -hmm. it's no doubt that technology has a little bit changed the world of customer care. I mean, I I, I think more in this case about the uh, tweets and, and blogs of the world. But there are a lot of other technologies out there. So I would be interested to hear from you, what are the technologies, the new tech that you think that's coming on board that will be most important uh, for customer care at Unilever? 
Yeah, sure. I um, I think there's been such an amazing shift um, uh, with the way consumers are using devices and technology to um, engage with brands. And I won't even use the word um, contact uh, customer or consumer care. I think the, uh, the the lines are blurring between consumer care and marketing and service. And it's really important, therefore, that the business structure is structured in a way that facilitates that to maximize that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, um, we are significantly seeing social media and digital contact trending up. Um, The proportion of our engagement is uh, that is text-based is already over 50%, which is phenomenal. And social in some markets is is as much as quarter of that. And so the other other 50 being telephone? Yeah, telephone. There's no video in there? Um, not yet, no. Although we are working on a couple of trials to see which markets and which brands video would work for. Mm-hmm. Um, it is working in in other segments, so I'm familiar with it working in the automotive sector quite quite well, mm-hmm. building kind of virtual um, dealerships. Mm-hmm. And for us, we see it as an area of opportunity in some of our personal care brands, uh, maybe in hair care. Um, on skincare and also for some of our new prestige brands where that VIP engagement using video could could potentially work very well. Totally. So it is an interesting area for us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, uh, it's, it's not an area that I think would be a, uh, a wave of this is the way consumer care is going for all brands consistently. In terms of um, uh, new technology, I think there's, there's three... Um, Three key areas that are are going to make significant difference, really. One is the explosion of messaging apps as a way for consumers to engage with brands. So at the moment, we've got a a big distinction between if you want to call consumer care, you ring, you email us, or maybe you do a live chat because you've got a question or a query. And then we have our marketing functions really owning the estate of Facebook and Twitter and uh, WeChat over, uh, over in, China. in China. Really, those are all blurring, and the consumer does not wish to have to distinguish or even think about what should I, what's my query today, where should I go for it. Really, the consumer just wants to engage in whatever medium they are comfortable mm-hmm. using. So we think Facebook Business Messenger and WhatsApp as messaging tools to engage with us as an enterprise in a personalized fashion is a much more intimate way to support our consumers. Mm-hmm. So um, that's an area we're looking at significantly. Uh, we also think um, analytics and speech-to-text analytics to really analyze the voice of the customer, mm. the voice of the conversations is, is a very powerful tool that we will be getting a huge amount of business value from. Um, so, just, so that's our secondary. Do I understand that means that it's not what I'm saying but how I'm saying it that you're going to evaluate? Yeah, exactly. And the context of um, of all of the really valuable information that you sh- that a consumer shares with us during the course of conversation typically is is not really truly um, uh, understood and truly used to make our solutions and services better for our, our consumers. So mm-hmm. it's maximizing all of the insight that we learn from those conversations mm-hmm. um, to make the relationship and the engagement better, but also to improve our products mm-hmm. um, ultimately. And then the third area that I'm really, really very excited about is um, artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very careful about 
that term because it means different things to different people. Um, uh, And obviously artificial intelligence, I think 2016 is uh, in our space probably the the emerging year of uh, businesses starting to use AI for different um, scenarios. We're really thinking about how do we use it to enhance the advisor experience to the point where we can take out um, 80% of that transactional um, processing activity that we ask our teams to do and improve that through automation and artificial intelligence. And that really then frees up all of their mental energy, time to focus on what are the real human values that we want to use to engage uh, with our consumers to create, to your earlier point, a meaningful relationship. Mm The number of times you probably contacted a contact center and 80% of that interaction is then keying things into a system saying, I'm so sorry, the system is slow, and then saying, right, I've done that for you, rather than the system taking care of that and having a meaningful human conversation mm. about what your needs are. Mm. And that's really where we're looking to to move to and, and using technology in the right way to support that. To focus on the value add. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I want to go back to the first point, which is uh, the messaging. Um, WhatsApp is just in, in our theory, uh, end-to-end encryption. Yeah. Uh, to what extent is that an issue for your systems internally uh, to manage you know, a WhatsApp uh, versus a, an email? It's, it, for me, it's all about if the consumer chooses to engage with us through that channel, this is then making a proactive contact to us, um, then us then responding um, in that same channel. To the extent that the data needs to be protected and encrypted, we wholeheartedly support all of that. And the extent the relationship we have with the consumer and their sharing information with us that they feel if we have will benefit them as individuals, then um, uh, we will uh, make sure we follow the appropriate um, privacy controls in order to uh, support that for them. So it can only be a good thing. I think large businesses and enterprises really making it very, very clear that they are protecting people's information, being completely transparent about use of data is absolutely key in terms of building trust with consumers. So uh, the last one on that one was, uh, and it relates to Snapchat, because um, I'm going to guess you have a lot of girls interested in in some of your beautiful brands, uh, mm-hmm. and they might think Snapchat's the place. But of course, with Snapchat, it's a little bit complicated to keep a record of yeah. what was being said. Is Snapchat in your range of fire or not? And how do you manage that? So not currently, um, uh, in terms of the consumer care um, department, we do have an initiative where we are looking at, you know, what is the approach to engage with the millennial um, segment group? Um, and I think once we are, have a more established environment within our social media presence that is scalable and enterprise grade, um, we would be looking to um, think about how Snapchat could be used. We want to be really careful that we are engaging with um, uh, people at the right level on their terms and managing all aspects of legal and, and privacy mm. controls. So I love Snapchat. I think it's perfect. You know, it's really just like having a conversation with your, your friend mm-hmm. in, in, you know, in the park, you know, it, not, not everything needs to be recorded. You know, I think we've just lulled ourselves into this um, strange scenario where because it can be recorded, it should be recorded. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't believe that's the case. 
Yeah, I mean, and, you know, so many of these calls are preceded by your call is going to be you know, recorded for training purposes and so mm-hmm. on. It's just, just a standard. So um, that's beautiful. That's, that's very clear. Um, you're a, a, a woman who's extremely uh, out there. You're in constant mode, um, as an interactive mode. 400 brands, you've got to have a, a massive experience online. How do you manage between your personal and professional? Because, you know, so many people complain about this, especially if they're digitally oriented within the company. Yeah, I think um, I, I not ever really thought about it like that, if I'm honest. <laughs> and maybe I'm just one of those people that I'm hugely fortunate to have um, always absolutely loved everything I've done in my professional life. Um, and never really felt the need to see and have a distinction between personal and professional. My my hobbies are hobbies in digital space, in consumer care, um, and those that's the thing I think about and, and look at online at the weekend, and if I find something interesting, then I share it in my personal personal and my professional environments wow. because those are the circles that I network with. Well, and I think when I, when I do look at my personal social space, um, I, it's quite small, you know, I am not, um, interested in having 800 followers on Facebook. You know, it, it really is ring fence to very close friends and family and sharing things that are very personal and intimate to me. Um, whereas in my professional environment, I am keen to reach out to a broader audience and learn from a broader audience because that's where I get my inspiration um, and stimulation from. Right, well, speaking of which, um, give us a, 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 a name or two, not necessarily person, but whatever, from whom you think you get, you learn the most or, or some people that other people should be following or listening to as well in customer care. Actually, I've, I've found some of the most interesting content that's come my way has been through my use of Twitter and just through my uh, complete random approach to seeing things that I'm interested in, following people and, um, and then just building some really, really nice relationships with people I've never met, but we just share a common interest. And, um, and I would just urge people to do that. Just be, be interested, go out there, just start to have a little think about, um, different themes that, that you don't quite understand well enough. You're not quite sure how to understand it better. And you, just through bite-sized chunks of learning, and that is that is how I learn. I'm not a research-based person. I like to learn things quickly and then move on um, mm-hmm. to keep my interest. And I found Twitter to be an amazing source for that and build some really nice relationships. So like put in hashtag uh, artificial intelligence, hashtag serve. And you might find yeah. some stuff about artificial intelligence for customer service. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I started off really with consumer, customer experience. So hashtag CX, hashtag IoT, um, virtual reality, I think is a really interesting area at the moment. And I'm kind of monitoring uh, how that might affect what we're doing and, and how, how we might be able to introduce some interesting ideas in that. So, no doubt. Yeah. So beautiful, Megan. Time is of the essence. And really loved having you on the show. Uh, wow, great. Um, how can someone reach you if they want to get into your circle? No, how do you, how do they, how can you connect with you or Folly? What's the best way? Um, why not let's do Twitter? So I'm on at Neil Megan, N E A L E Megan, um, or you can easily find me on LinkedIn. All right, beautiful. 
Hey, listen, Megan, have a spectacular sunny day <laughs> wherever you are. <laughs> All right, and we're in touch. Lovely. Thank you so much. Great to chat. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. That's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of My name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called 
Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.